The following podcast contains explicit content and is not suitable for all listeners. Texas ranked 10th in the nation in the rate of women murdered by men with a rate of 1.44 per 100,000, according to the new Violence Policy Center, or VPC, study, When Men Murder Women, an analysis of 2014 homicide data in the U.S. On April 18, 2016, the body of a 45-year-old mother of three was found inside a church in Midlothian, Texas, in the U.S., A fitness professional, she was preparing for her class at 5 a.m. when an unknown assailant murdered her. The person believed to be her murderer was seen on surveillance footage walking around the church for about 30 minutes prior to her attack, breaking glass and opening doors. The footage was released and although thousands of tips were reported, her case remains unsolved. This is the story of Missy Beavers. Before I begin, I want to state that I'm choosing this story because it actually hits quite close to home for me. My full-time career is as a Pilates instructor, and coincidentally, I too host a fitness class at a local church. Thankfully, my classes are not so early in the morning, and my clients, a school program, and many church staff are present before I even enter the building. But that wasn't always the case, not at the church, but at the studios I worked. Often, I was in the studio alone, both very early and late into the evening. At one studio, I was alone at 6 a.m. in a sort of like office building on a second floor with a restaurant below, so nothing was open when I got there. The hallway split into two directions at the top of the stairs and had a back entrance about halfway down the hallway to my studio, which just went into like an alleyway and parking lot. As we were at the very end of the hallway, it scared me quite a bit to walk down in the mornings. It wasn't a large space, but there were other doors as well, consisting of offices and another fitness studio at the time. Three doors in total on our side plus the entrance, and then my room at the end. I want to give you a layout because I would come through a locked door at the bottom of the stairs that I then had to prop open for clients, and then go upstairs and along the hallway to our studio, and again prop it open for clients. It was scary some mornings, with every noise making me jump. We were also a small studio, so sometimes only one or two clients would be signed up, And on occasion, they wouldn't show for whatever reason. And while I was still paid, obviously, I would then be alone. And so I'd lock the door and then stay in the studio until a little bit later when it was a bit lighter out or there was other people starting to come into the building. And then I'd go out again, go for a walk or run errands before my next class, which was a couple of hours later. But it was scary sometimes, especially after our neighbor began harassing all the instructors and some clients at the studio as well. 
That was just an unfortunate experience, but even in broad daylight, I'd lock the door behind me just in case. It was a silly neighbor dispute because of things like music levels and shoes in the hall, but it escalated to where many of us didn't feel safe. My other studio also had instructors opening alone at around 7 a.m., and there were a few times I felt unsafe, like when a new male client that I'd never met came and he was the only client that morning, and it was dark and we were fairly secluded in the studio at the back of like a courtyard. Not his fault by any means, but it was nerve-wracking initially for me. Or the time I flagged a runner down who was running by so that they could walk me to the door because there was a man sitting in the cold of winter charging his phone at a table outside in that dark courtyard. Men don't realize their presence can be so intimidating to a woman because they don't have to deal with it. But when you work alone and uncomfortable situations come up, it can be scary. This happened to me serving before too. I believe I spoke about that in a previous episode. And this is super common for realtors too. I discussed that in the episode of the story of Lindsay Busiak, which is episode number six on my podcast if you haven't heard it. It's important to remember to be aware of your surroundings and take precautions. It's also important for employers, building staff, and people in general to understand the fear that being alone can sometimes bring to a woman. Sometimes a car will pull up beside me late at night while I'm out walking my dog, and I think, like, gosh, just go up another space or two. Don't stop beside me. It's scary. You could try to abduct me or something, and that person is just oblivious. And again, it's not their fault. They don't know. They're not trying to intimidate me, but it is, and it could be avoided just being aware. And it's just because they didn't know what that could feel like to some women. We can't expect everyone to adapt to our fears, but some awareness of how actions can be perceived is helpful and can save some trouble. At the end of the day, it's on us to speak up when we feel unsafe or get ourselves to a safer place. Just be aware, not paranoid, just aware, and always listen to your gut, better safe than sorry. I say not paranoid because it's tricky sometimes listening to podcasts like this every day and you start to overthink some things. So use caution, but don't let your brain get carried away. That can make you fearful of everything and living in fear is not healthy. I hope that made sense. I'm sorry to ramble on, but some cases really hit home and this is one of them. And if you're feeling unsafe at work, see if there's something you can do. Add more lighting, security systems, or cameras. Maybe you can ask to change your hours or work with someone else. I would often ask a client to stay while I locked up, or maybe you can wait outside until your clients arrive. Do what you need to do to feel safe in your workplace. It's important. Terry Leanne Beavers, who went by Missy, was born on August 9, 1970, to parents James and Norma Strickland in Graham, Texas. She had an older brother, Clifford, who she called Bubba, and a younger brother, Clint. And while she liked to annoy her younger brother, the siblings were very close. 
The family grew up in Jacksboro, Texas, and she was known as fun-loving, giving, and that she made friends wherever she went with her warm and welcoming smile, drawing people to her. Skills that helped her grow her fitness business in the future, with everyone stating she was a proud member of the community and very well-known and well-liked. Missy studied at a few colleges before finally settling on Tarleton State University, where she received her Bachelor of Science in 1995. She didn't know what she wanted to do initially, and ended up working in retail for a number of years, until she met Brandon Beavers, and the two married in 1998. She then decided to go back to school to get her teaching certificate in special education, and taught for a few years before giving birth to their daughter, Hannah, on March 11, 2001. After the birth of their daughter, Missy became a stay-at-home mom, although she had a passion for teaching and thought she may return to it one day. The young family continued to grow with the birth of their second daughter, Allie, on March 7, 2003, and then again on November 6, 2007, with the birth of their third daughter, Sarah. The family resided in Midlothian, Texas, which is a smaller-sized city of 35,125 people as of 2020 in the northwest part of the state, and it is located about 40 kilometers or 24 miles southwest of Dallas and 32 miles or 51 kilometers southeast of Fort Worth. Her hometown of Jacksboro is located 98 miles or 157 kilometers northwest of Midlothian, and she moved to the Fort Worth area of Texas to attend university, eventually settling in Midlothian. Just to give you a bit of geographical understanding of the area, as I myself have never been there as well. You may have also heard the term Dallas-Fort Worth as the major airport is also the same name, but the area actually includes Arlington, Texas as well. This area is called a metroplex, and the whole metropolitan area has a population of 7,637,387, which makes it the most populated area in Texas and the southern U.S., as well as the fourth most populated in all of the U.S. This area also saw the highest population growth in the U.S. in 2016. Midlothian's population grew by 121% from 2000 to 2010. So it really makes sense that this young family moved to the area. I'm not sure if her husband was also from the area, but nevertheless, that's where they raised their family. Her family was the most important thing in her life, and she devoted her time to raising her three girls, taking care of them, playing with them, and showing them how much she loved them every day. She loved going to the ocean and the beach, a favorite pastime for the family. She was also a big dreamer, telling her daughters they could be whatever they wanted, and raising them to chase their goals. Her obituary reads, quote, She believed that all things were possible, only if you could dream big and believe in yourself with God's help. She has been a motivator all her life, and when she put her mind to something, no one could get her to stand down, end quote. 
It was that dreaming that eventually led her to create her own fitness business. After three children, Missy found fitness as a way to ease stress and improve her health. And it made her feel so good that she decided to help others. She was in the best shape of her life and wanted to share that with others who might be struggling physically and emotionally. Her background in science, customer service, and teaching, combined with her giving nature, came full circle to create a career that she loved. She became a Camp Gladiator instructor, which is a boot camp style exercise program that focuses on cardio and strength training and nutrition. With a large community focused on helping other members and providing support. Her class was notoriously intense, according to reports, but the program states online that there are beginner, intermediate, and advanced levels. It's also expanded to an online model as well as in person, but it's unclear if that was available prior to COVID, as many fitness programs shifted to online during the pandemic. I've never heard of Camp Gladiator prior to this case, but it seems like your regular fitness program with their own kind of spin on it. I think it's primarily located in Texas, but it may be elsewhere. It was hard to tell from their site. To become a trainer, you have to be certified through a national accredited organization, and they provide you training in their specific camp workouts, which Missy did, and she launched her business. And I'm not sure the exact year, but according to her Instagram page, it was likely around early 2014. Missy pushed her clients to succeed and was committed to helping them no matter what, which is why she announced in a now-deleted post that she would be running the class Rain or Shine on April 9, 2016 at Creekside Church of Christ. There was a heavy rainfall the night before, and Missy decided to move the class indoors because she often taught it outside in the church parking lot. She arrived at 4.18 a.m. to set up the class that started at 5 a.m., but when her clients arrived, they found a startling scene. I'd like to take this moment to thank you for listening to my podcast. Femicide has surpassed 15,000 downloads, and I cannot thank you enough for your support. If you haven't already, please leave a review. It helps so much in getting my podcast out to a wider audience. And I know I say that every time, but it really, really means the world to me. The concept behind femicide is very close to my heart, and I hope through these stories we can shed a light on the abuse, violence, and sexual assault that women face daily. To help support me and my efforts, I have started a Patreon account. So if you aren't familiar with Patreon, it is a membership-based platform designed to allow fans to support and connect with their favorite creators. On there, I do have four additional episodes available with a new additional episode coming every single month for just a $5 donation each month. Sign up today online at patreon.com or via the Patreon app, and I will leave a link in the show notes of this episode. As always, I will be donating 10% of all gifts received and memberships each month to various charities that help support women. The charity I will be donating to for the month of January 2023 is the Toronto Rape Crisis Center slash Multicultural Women Against Rape, or TRCC slash MWAR. Quote, 
a grassroots women and non-binary run collective, we work towards a violence-free world by providing anti-oppressive feminist peer support to survivors of gender-based or sexualized violence. We engage in public education, activism, and provide direct individual and group support to survivors and their supporters, end quote. And please don't forget to share with your friends and families because word of mouth is the best review of all. Missy's body was found covered in blood. She had a head wound and puncture wounds to her chest. Immediately, emergency services were called, but sadly, she was pronounced dead. Quickly, police jumped into action and the investigation started. Surveillance footage was recovered from the church and it painted a very disturbing picture of the events leading up to Missy's murder. A person can be seen walking around the church, breaking glass, entering rooms, and just walking around. The person was wearing riot gear from the police, so a helmet, gloves, and a vest that boldly reads police in white lettering. They are swinging a hammer in their hand, and they use it to break the glass on several rooms. It's also believed to be the murder weapon. Investigators noticed right away the person walked with a specific limp and turned out feet, so they walked with their toes pointed outwards. They also walked slowly and had to steady themselves at times, and their right foot or leg seemed to be impaired and causing the limp. They are presumed to be between 5 foot 2 and 5 foot 8 inches tall, but it is unclear if the person is a man or a woman. By the next day, the footage was released to the public in hopes of locating this person. Two vehicles were also captured on surveillance footage nearby. One was not located, according to reports, but the other was identified, and I'll get into that shortly. It was initially believed that Missy interrupted a robbery gone wrong, but after some messages were uncovered, it's now believed she was targeted. The attacker was also in the church for about 30 minutes before she arrived, meaning they had ample time to finish the robbery if that's what they were there for. And also, no items were taken, both at the church or from Missy. Her wedding ring, purse, and iPad were all left at the scene. The investigation uncovered a message that Missy received on LinkedIn that was, quote, creepy and strange, end quote, according to a friend that Missy showed the message to. It's not known what was said, but it was cause for concern. Police began to theorize that Missy had been stalked online and that the person saw that she was teaching indoors that day and set their plan in motion. The police also theorized that the killer may have recorded the murder with a smartphone. Obviously, her husband Brandon was also investigated, as the husband is always suspected, but he had been on a fishing trip and was cleared as a person of interest. I don't want to insinuate anything, and she does have three daughters who are getting older now, but I do try to present all the information available. Quote, intimate messages were also recovered, some of which had been deleted on Missy's LinkedIn that were, quote, flirtatious and familiar, end quote, in nature. Brandon had claimed that they were happy and had no marital concerns, 
but those messages and some to each other that were recovered showed that there were some cracks in the relationship. Financial troubles and, quote, intimate slash personal relationships external to the marriage, end quote, did come to light. I don't know if that was on both sides or the details of it, but they were having troubles. That doesn't mean Brandon had anything to do with it. Relationships are hard and sometimes things happen. It also doesn't mean she was going to leave him or anything like that. I just want to state the facts of the story and we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Police think Missy spoke with her attacker online and looked into the LinkedIn messages, but nothing has come from that at this date. They did follow up tips they received in regards to a man named Bobby Wayne Henry, who happened to have the same vehicle as the second car, an SUV that I mentioned was caught on surveillance. As it turned out, he was a former police officer who was fired, but admitted he still had his old riot gear, but that it didn't fit him anymore. He had also been hired to work security for the funeral, which made him a suspect, because as we know, killers like to insert themselves. His walk pattern was analyzed, but it was inconclusive. He was also six foot one inches and was clearly too tall to be the person on the footage. And then his alibi was eventually corroborated and he was no longer a suspect. However, during the investigation, his computer and devices were searched and child pornography was found and he was subsequently arrested. He was released without charge after 70 days in jail and was not formally charged from the child pornography, and I'm not sure why or what happened with that case. Shortly after her murder, on April 22nd, Brandon's father took a shirt to the dry cleaners because there was blood on it. Since Missy's murder was so fresh in the public eye, the dry cleaner contacted police. An investigation into the blood began, with his father, Randy, claiming he broke up a dogfight. He had been in California during the murder, and Brandon's sister corroborated the story about the dogfight, leading to him being released as a suspect. The blood was also tested and confirmed to be canine. Sadly, the public had already decided that Randy and the family were guilty, and many public comments still point to them, regardless of them being cleared. Missy's daughter Hannah stating, quote, I've had people on Facebook message me and say, your dad did this. Your dad killed your mom. My dad loved my mom, and I know that 100%, end quote. Earlier this year, there was renewed interest in the case when two women who met on a discussion board for the case also started a podcast to keep the story in the public eye. It's called True Crime Broads. And they've also helped raise money for a billboard advertising the $150,000 reward being offered for information in the case. They are quoted as saying, quote, She was a mom. She was a wife, just like us. We're working, and everybody is hoping for the tip that breaks this case wide open, end quote. Over the years, her daughter Hannah has also taken part in many interviews, along with her father, trying to keep the public invested in the case. They now believe that it was a woman on the footage, although initially they did think it was a man, 
but it's still not proven, as I said. Personally, I wonder if it is a woman. Did Missy have an affair with a man and then his wife attacked her? I mean, that's just speculation, but it's believed she didn't know her attacker, so that could be possible. Or it's just someone who maybe was stalking her or infatuated with her. She wasn't reported to be sexually assaulted, though, and I'm not convinced it was sexually motivated, which makes me think it was more someone wanting her out of the picture. To this day, Missy's murderer is still running free. If you know anything regarding the murder of Missy Beavers, please contact Ellis County Crime Stoppers at 972-937-7297. And I will leave the information in the show notes of this episode. I will also post photos of the vehicles and the camera footage. So if you'd like to check that out, please go to my Instagram page at femicide underscore podcast. Missy was a strong, smart, loving woman and mother who didn't deserve her tragic fate. Her daughters have grown up without their mother, and her family and friends are left with only memories of this amazing woman. My heart goes out to them all, and I hope one day soon her killer is identified and justice can be served. Thank you for listening to the story of Missy Beavers. I'm your host, Sean Marie. Join me next time for another story.